It is nice to see all of you this morning. Hope that your celebrations have been uh, enjoyable and safe and uh, everybody's ready to get back into it tomorrow, right? Uh huh. <laughs> all right. Let me just mention a couple things. Um, if you haven't gotten a copy of the bulletin, bulletin, please do so at some point this morning. Uh, there'll be a couple things that you might find interesting. Um, in a couple weeks, we're going to have our um, 21st annual chili cook-off. And that's on uh, January 26th, a Saturday at 6 p.m. And, um, and so be preparing your hot and, let's see, it's hot, delicious, unusual. I, I forget all the different categories, right? There's a couple more, I think. But, uh, but anyway, um, and, and so that, that, that'll be good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, um, well, I won't even talk about the Pepto-Bismol that uh, you can get later. Um, on February 3rd, we're going to have a ministries fair. And uh, kind of the slogan or the title is Finding Your Place at Sunset. And the purpose of this activity is, one, to inform all the congregation of the different ministries that we have, but also to give an opportunity for people to get engaged and involved in perhaps a different area of service. And so... Um, all of the ministry leaders and all of the deacons have already received some notification about that. You can expect a phone call this week just to touch base, make sure we're on track. But this will be on Sunday, February 3rd. Um, the fellowship hall, we're going to have a bilingual service that Sunday. And then this space is going to be um, transitioned into tables and displays. And uh, we'll have a chance to kind of uh, interact and engage one another in the different areas and different places. Our goal is that every single person, who is a participant and a member of the Sunset family, find a place where they can serve. Because we all know, and what we're going to be talking about today, uh, when Jesus calls us, he doesn't call us to sit and rest. He calls us to be involved and to follow him wherever he's leading. And so that's kind of where uh, we're going to be heading with that. Now, also in the bulletin... Um, I want to draw your attention to a section. It'll be on the inside here. But beginning uh, today and this week, we're going to have um, daily readings and reflections to go along with the sermon on Sunday. And so we're beginning a new series um, that's kind of uh, following our slogan or our it's not really our purpose statement, but it's just a, a, a statement that describes who we are. Uh, Sunset is a diverse community. And we are in the process of learning to follow Jesus. And so as we go through this series, uh, each day, Brian Bergman will be preparing the, the, uh, the reflection questions. There's a specific reading and then some questions for you to go Monday through um, Saturday. And then on Sunday, we'll have the actual sermon text. We're going to be coming out of the, the Gospel of Mark. And we'll be going through this gospel as we learn to follow Jesus in a way that brings him uh, honor and glory. So uh, we, we invite you to follow along in, in that way with uh, this material. Um, <coughs> if, you, if your phone rang unexpectedly, you weren't expecting any calls, and it rang, as sometimes it does, and you look, and the caller ID said, God. <laughs> Would you answer? You know, some people might say, well, it's a prank call. God would never call me. So, no, I wouldn't answer. Other people would say, yeah, that probably is God. And no, I'm not going to answer. <laughs> the answer is the same, right? Would you answer? 
if God was calling you, like what, what would God have to say to me? Why does he want to talk to me? Why didn't he call someone else? Well, it's kind of an interesting situation because none of us expect to get that call. But when we think about the gospel of Mark, that's exactly how this gospel begins. It begins abruptly. We don't have any birth narratives. Jesus isn't this little baby. We don't have a manger. We don't have wise men. We just get right into the public ministry. It's a lot of actions. One of Mark's unique words is immediately. It might be disguised a little bit in the NIV because one of the translation philosophies of the NIV is to use as many synonyms as possible for the same Greek word. So even in the text that we're going to read today, it'll say at once or uh, um, at once they left and then it says immediately. 35 times, more than double any other New Testament book. Mark uses the word immediately. Jesus does this, and immediately he goes, and immediately, and then at once, and then this happens. And part of what Mark is trying to do is to, con- is to convey to us what it would look like to walk after Jesus and walk with him. He wants to make it real. He, he wants us to feel the urgency of what it would be like to walk with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, wait up. Hold on. Let me catch up. And Jesus is moving here and he's going there and it immediately and at once and then all of a sudden. Now, let me just point out that none of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, are, are biographies in the way that we think of biographies. These are theological books written for the purpose of creating faith, not to tell us the whole story of Jesus. And we have a text in John that kind of guides us in our thinking. At the end of chapter 20 of John, uh, John writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He's referring specifically to the book of John. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so what John is telling us is that every one of these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, was written from a spiritual focus and might not necessarily jive with all the details of one of the other Gospels. Now, as we read this, the tendency and the the temptation is to say, oh, wait a second, I'm going to fill in all the details from over here in Matthew, or I'm going to fill in the details from Luke. But we're going to resist that temptation, and we're going to try and stick with the story as Mark is presenting it, because we want to capture what he is wanting to communicate to us. We don't know for certain, but many individuals think that Mark was one of the first, if not the first, gospel to be written. And this is a story about Jesus, but told in a way to help us understand what it looks like to follow him. So I'm just going to read the opening verses, and and then we'll kind of walk through it. I'll have it on the screen. But for now, I just want you to hear it. This is the way that the early church would have heard it. Someone would have stood up with a text and read it. No one had screens. No one had Bibles. No one had anything where they had their own copy. And so this is the way the book begins. 
Mark 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn or ripped open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased at once. Immediately, the spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, immediately, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, immediately, he called them, and they left their father in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus. So, the gospel begins in 20 verses, and we move from the preparation with the coming of John the Baptist into Jesus' baptism and temptation, and then into the calling of the first disciples. And it moves really quickly. The opening verse tells us this is the beginning of the good news. This is the beginning of the story of Jesus. This isn't the entire story, but this is where it begins. And it begins with God breaking into humanity, breaking the silence that had been for over 400 years from the prophets, and beginning to then work with his people in this process of guiding them into the light. And so we have this text from uh, Isaiah where you have this voice, uh, the voice of John who is preparing the way for the Lord. And, and then John appears and he's preaching a baptism of repentance. And then the whole Judean countryside, which is, I'm sure, a bit of an exaggeration. It's called hyperbole in uh, literary terms. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out. They were streaming out to, to John the Baptist to be baptized. And among those that came to hear and to witness and be a part of John's ministry was this one that he's referring to, this one who will come after him, this one who is so much greater than he himself. And then Jesus comes to be baptized. And we have this scene in, in, in Mark that's just so beautiful that as Jesus is coming up out of the water, the heavens are ripped open and we have this declaration. You are my son. 
whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. (coughs) I think part of what Mark wants us to understand is that the beginning of the work of God, not only on earth, not only in Jerusalem and in Judea and in this desert area, but the work of God even in our lives begins with this recognition of this time of preparation and repentance. It's followed by this time of baptism when we begin to adopt God's ways. And when we're baptized, we also hear, as it were, a voice from heaven that says, You are my son, whom I love. You are my daughter, whom I dearly love. With you, I am well pleased. Every single person from Jesus on that has been baptized has received this blessing from the Father. Every single person has received this blessing. And this is how we enter into our new life with God. Well, immediately after the blessing, Jesus finds himself facing temptation and testing. And I think part of what Mark is trying to do is to clarify from the very beginning for these young Christians in the first century as they gave their lives to the Lord and as they began to walk with Jesus in spite of the uh, the obstacles of their uh, their government and the persecution from the Roman uh, um, uh, uh, Empire, that yes, your baptism will give you a blessing from God, but it doesn't exempt you from problems from the situations on earth. And immediately after Jesus' baptism, he's facing temptation from Satan, and yet God is blessing him with the angels and with his presence. And then we've talked about this verse a couple weeks back. Um, Jesus begins his message. He basically says two things. The announcement is the kingdom of God is here. I am here. I am the king, and I am present with you. And then he makes an appeal. Because I am here... He repeats the message of John and says, repent and believe the good news. And then we're going to stick with these verses a little bit and think through this, because this is when Jesus begins to call his disciples. This is when we see, at least in the Gospel of Mark, the first recorded action of Jesus is not some huge miracle, not some spectacular fireworks in the sky kind of a thing, The first action that Jesus does in the beginning of his ministry is to call people to follow him. The first recorded act. And it's amazing because Jesus is the only one who speaks. And he says, come, follow me. And at once, immediately, they drop their nets, Simon and Andrew, and they begin to follow The same situation occurs with these sons of Zebedee, except here we see James and John and without delay immediately when he calls them, not only do they leave their nets, but they also leave their father and the hired men and they begin to follow Jesus. There's a lot of things we aren't told about these four men. We don't know if they knew each other in real life. We don't know if they were good fishermen or unsuccessful. We don't know if they were prosperous or starving or just looking for a new career. 
Uh, we don't know if the sons got along with Zebedee or they were thinking, oh, great, this is a way I can get away from my family. We don't know if it was a sunny day or if there was a breeze off of the lake. We don't know any of those details, but what we do know is Jesus saw them, he called them, and they picked up the phone and said, yes, I will follow. As we go through this gospel in these next uh, weeks and months, the idea of following Jesus is going to come up over and over. For Mark, that's what discipleship, that's what it looks like to be a Christian. Being a Christian in Mark's terms is following Jesus. And so Jesus, when he encounters Matthew, uh, also called Levi, uh, at the tax collector's booth, he says, follow me. When he is encouraging his disciples after Peter's confession that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he tells the disciples to pick up their crosses and follow me. When Jesus has a conversation with a rich young man and tells him to sell everything he has, then he concludes his exhortation to this man, the appeal, with the words, and then follow me. You know, it's been 2,000 years since we've been hearing sermons on this. Not all of you, but... <laughs> and, and, you know, over time, I, I think that message, that it, what it means to be a Christian is to follow Jesus, has lost some of its punch. You know, Jesus doesn't put up a sign-up sheet looking for volunteers. He doesn't put an ad in the bulletin saying, Messiah is interested in a few good men and women. He doesn't publish office hours and say, come by and see me on Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 and let's talk about your relationship with the kingdom. The disciples don't even choose him as their rabbi, which was the custom. He chooses them. He looks them in the eyes and says, you follow me. Can, can you imagine being at your job? Let's say you're working at the TSA. And you're in the line screening people as they go through to catch their flight. And then a passenger comes in, looks at you and says, hey, you, follow me. Uh, oh, 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 okay, <laughs> let me walk away from my job. Let me leave my pension. Let me follow you. Or, or let's say he, 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 Jesus is going through Publix. And he's just gotten a, a nice sandwich or a deli, you know, or, or maybe some of that fried chicken that people like to get at Publix. And he's in the checkout line and you're checking him out and you're getting ready to say. And then you say, OK, that will be nine ninety five, sir. He looks at you, makes eye contact, says, follow me. Leave this. Let's go. I'm walking. You follow or let's say your job at FPL, or let's say you're at school, and Jesus walks in, says, okay, I got an announcement, you, you, and you, follow me, let's go. Would you do it? I don't know that we can understand how radical this call was, where people have Jesus show up in their life, and, and Mark doesn't tell us that they knew about Jesus or they had seen him do this or, or they were aware of who he was. Mark just tells us that he shows up one day out of the blue and changes their life forever. And not only do they leave their profession, but with two of these individuals, 
They leave family. They leave a business. Would you walk away from your job to follow Jesus? Would you walk away from your family to follow Jesus? Would you walk away from a life of comfort and ease to follow Jesus? Because you see, for Mark, discipleship is not something you do on weekends. This isn't a part-time volunteer kind of a thing. What Jesus is asking these disciples, and he's asking us, is basically what Peter confessed later on. He says, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And that's what he's calling us to do as well. And this call to discipleship is so unreasonable. It's scandalous. It's unrealistic. Who can do this? This isn't the way we live. This isn't normal. This isn't just what you do. And yet that's exactly what God has called us to. And yet over time, I think we've kind of forgotten. Some time ago, the staff at uh, uh, Bridger Wilderness Area in the Teton National Forest in Wyoming received uh, uh, the comment cards that they have there next to some of the trails. And these are some of the responses that people had written on the cards. Uh, trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. Yeah, that's fair enough. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. <laughs> Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid these areas of these pests. Chairlifts. <laughs> I, 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 I might have filled this one out. Chairlifts need to be added in some places so we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike up to them. <laughs> a small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there a way I can get reimbursed? <laughs> Again, this is one I might have written. Escalators would be helpful on the steep uphill sections. <laughs> a, a McDonald's at the, w would be nice at the end of the trailhead. Uh, the places where trails do not exist are not well marked. <laughs> just, just think about that for just a second. <laughs> and then this last one, <coughs> too many rocks in the mountains. No, it's just, can, can you believe that people would, in a wilderness area... In a national forest in the mountains, that they would expect something different? Well, before we get too hard on them, <laughs> we turn the light back on us, and God would say, Yeah, but what about following me didn't you get? Remember that time I told you about these guys? And remember the time when we talked about what it looks like to follow me? Now, I don't know about you, but if God called me on the phone, I wouldn't think it was real because why would God call me? I'm this adopted kid who doesn't even have this history. And, and I, I, I was talking to, uh, uh, well, we were texting back and forth, uh, uh, Brian Bergman uh, yesterday. And, and it turns out that in the midst of the shock and tragedy of Julie losing her father, they found out that a former youth minister, Sam Wilson, who's also from that area in Tennessee, Sam's great-great-grandfather 
and Julie's great-great-grandfather were brothers. And I was thinking about this and said, I don't even know most of my grandparents. I've never even met even my adopted ones. Forget about the biological ones. But even the adopted ones, I have no clue. And, and, and to think that God would want to call me and say, hey, Jim, or whatever your name used to be, because <laughs> God knows what it was. I don't. Hey, Jim, I want you to follow me. It's like, no, you got to be kidding me, right? To do bilingual, I don't even speak Spanish that great. I can't run and jump like some of the other ministers in our group. I don't look good in shorts. Well, I don't think any of them do, but that's just a different point. Why would God want me? Well, what he's telling us in this very initial text is God doesn't choose the socially prominent. He doesn't choose the well-trained. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't even choose religious people. Jesus didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't go to the temple to find these people. He went to a beach where there were some guys sweaty, stinking of fish and other bodily odors and says, hey, I want you with me. And he would do the same thing for every one of us today. And then what strikes me is. And he doesn't give them this list of prerequisites. In order to follow me, you need to have a bachelor's degree. You need to have this. You need to wear these kind of clothes. You need to cut your hair. You need. It's not like when I went to Freed Hardeman. I had been a Christian for two weeks. From a totally unchurched background or a non-churched or a pre-churched, whatever you want to call it. And so for the occasion, I cut my hair to my shoulders because I wanted to be short. I bought a special T-shirt that said, Jesus is the solid rock. I had cut off shorts and I showed up at Fried Hardman. And Miss Trussell, the dorm mom, said, get a haircut, lose the shirt and put pants on. In order to be a student at Fried Hardman, you had to follow these rules. Jesus doesn't give these guys any of those kinds of rules. And yet when we encounter people, as we invite them to church, we say, oh, oh, and, and, and by the way, you, you can't wear that to church. Oh, and, you know, people aren't going to think too highly of you if you show up like that. And, and we have all of these ways of doing things where we make it challenging for people. And Jesus said, come. Follow me, and we'll work out the rest on the path. And that's what we see with the disciples. They mess up over and over and over. And you think, well, Jesus, if you would have had a little training session on what to do before you get follow, before you start following, he could have dealt with a lot of this. But that's not how Jesus works. Because he knows, just like you and I know, if he would have had that before you follow me class, they wouldn't have gone and they wouldn't have followed. He says, you follow me and we'll work it out on the path. Jesus starts with people where they are. And he starts with you and me where we are today. So God's calling you. Might not be on your phone. 
But he's calling you. He's looking you right in the eyes and saying, I want you to follow me. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we have the answers. But what it does mean is that we change our lifestyle and we turn and we begin to go towards him. And as we do that, lo and behold, there's a whole bunch of other people that are also going on that same path. So over these months, we're going to be walking through the gospel of Mark, walking with Jesus, letting him show us what it looks like to follow him. And we're going to see how Jesus does wonderful miracles and how the disciples don't have a clue. And we're going to see how they make advances occasionally. And we're going to see how they fail miserably. And we're going to see how at the end, when the story finishes in in, in Mark chapter 16, how they all ran. And yet when Jesus was resurrected, how they came back. Because that's our story too. That's our story too. So for today, let me just encourage you. How do you feel God calling you today? What is he calling you to? What is he calling you from? What is it that you need to leave behind? I don't know that it might be that God is calling you to leave family. I don't know. For some of you, that would be a good thing. For others, he's calling you to leave a job that makes you a miserable person. He might be calling you to leave a habit or a practice or an attitude or a way of thinking. And then he's calling you to following after him of making that decision. Yes, I will answer. And that's all God asks today. Pick up the phone and say, yes. Yeah, but we'll work all that out later. You follow me. And so that's our invitation today. If we can pray with you, if we can pray for you, if there's any way we can help you in this transition of following him, Make your way to the front as we stand and sing. God bless you. Troublesome times are here, filling man's heart with.